Joshua here online again. Um, last week, we looked at this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we entitled this, this passage, or that sermon is Power in Weakness. And I, I, I couldn't leave this passage without addressing to us something that's, uh, I think it's central to the Apostle Paul and what he's going through and why he experiences things the way he does that's also important for us as today as christians and i'm gonna be very honest uh today's message you, you might not like it not because it's um necessarily boring or whatever but because of what it has to say is it's very hard and uh, difficult to think about but uh, nevertheless i think it's it's important to understand uh i don't know if you knew me in high school or even if you knew me in college, I, I think you probably have second thoughts of being part of our church. Um, when, I was, when I was in high school, or in early high school, maybe eighth grade, maybe even eighth grade, um, they had a class called a speech, speech class. It was, it was public speaking. And there is no way, uh, there was no way back then that, that I could speak in front of people. Uh, it, was, it was just, I was just too fearful of people and, and um, too embarrassed. And, you know, I, I just, it was, I would stutter. I didn't know what to say. I would just be very nervous and I just hated it. I just hated standing in front of people and, and talking. But then somehow later on, as I got into college and one day I decided to go to seminary and become a pastor and, and, and you should have, even my friends, they, they were like, there's no way that, that I'm going to be a pastor or, or, you know, an effective pastor. How, how's that going to be possible? Um, people actually thought that it was the end of the world when they found out that I was going to go to seminary. Um, and I did. And, you know, years later, I'm your pastor. <laughs> so for better, or for worse. Uh, that's, that's how it is. And, and I, have to I have to say, um, just looking back in, in, my, in my life, if there's been any usefulness for me in the church, if God has used me for do, to do anything, to be a blessing to anyone, it, it certainly wasn't because I, I was so gifted or I was, you know, just born to, I guess, do this. Uh, I have to say that it really is, I think, God working through someone like me to be a blessing to others. And if you understand what I'm talking about, then you, you kind of understand what, what Paul is, is trying to say here in this passage as he describes his situation and himself. Paul describes the way he came to Corinth in our passage with, with two negative statements about how he did not come. And then he gave us two positive statements about how he did come. Um, and then he gives us the reason why he, he, why he came this way, the reason why he came this way. And some of this I, I, I did last week, so I'm just gonna go really quickly just to kind of summarize what he did. Um, he gives us first in our passage, two reasons how he did not come. And the first is in verse one, he says, when I came to you brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. And then the second description here is in the end of verse four, beginning of verse four, he says, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. In other words, he's confessing a weakness. He says, I'm not the best speaker, right? I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the most polished guy out there where you see all these other people speaking. And this is exactly what he said earlier in this chapter in verse 17. He says that when he preached the gospel, he preached it not with eloquent wisdom. And you read later on, he admits to, to everybody in this letter uh, that, that he's just not the best speaker. He was a great thinker, right? And just by his letters, you could see that, that his, 
use of language was powerful. But in the eyes of this church, in the eyes of the culture in Corinth, he wasn't the most sophisticated. He wasn't the most polished. He didn't use the, the, the latest techniques. He, he didn't use the rhetoric of, of the people who were most eloquent uh, as a speaker. He wasn't the best, maybe not even that good, not impressive. In fact, probably when he spoke, he looked kind of weak, okay? And so he's confessing this to his people. And, and then he gives you two positive reasons of how he did come to Corinth. And then the first here is in verse three, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And then the second description of how he came, positively speaking, is in, in the verse four, in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Okay, so Paul here is talking about his weakness and he's coming there in verse three, he says, I came to you in weakness in fear and trembling. Now, we'd said this last week, what Paul is talking about is just everything about him as a person, small, probably in his stature, probably bald, had a crooked nose, some historians say. Uh, his eyebrows were meeting in one place. There were, he was a unibrow, they, they said. His nose was somehow crooked or hooked, maybe. He wasn't physically an attractive guy. He, he wasn't an impressive man. There was, there was nothing particularly great even about his personality. But you read chapter 14, you read chapter 16 of Acts, and you also realize he was probably physically not that healthy. He was repeatedly beaten. He was stoned almost to death many times. He was jailed. And so by the time he gets to this church, it's no wonder that he says in verse 3, he says that he came in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. He was scared, okay? He, he probably looked timid to the people around him. So let me summarize here and try to show you what he's saying. Weakness. I didn't come to you with lofty words of wisdom. Weakness. My message was not very plausible with wisdom. Weakness. I came to you in fear and trembling. Weakness, weakness, weakness. That's how we, that's how we came to this church. And the question that we saw last week was this. How was Paul able to plant this church in Corinth? How is it possible that anyone uh, would become a Christian through Paul's preaching, more or less even just listen to this guy, right? And the answer he gives to us is in verse 4. It was in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Demonstration of the Spirit and power. And what Paul is saying here is this. It wasn't because of Paul. It wasn't because of what he was able to do or not do. It was because, he's saying, of the Spirit and his power. It was because of God working through Paul working through his weakness. It was God working through his weakness when he was strong, when God was strong. Through his weakness, God was strong. That's what he's trying to say. And if you know anything about Paul in any of his letters, this is one of the central themes, not only of Paul's ministry, but of Paul's whole life. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you remember this, this is a famous passage where he talks about this uh, thorn in his flesh. And apparently he had some kind of physical condition, uh, an ailment that was very chronic. And he prayed three times that it would go away, but it didn't. And so it remained in him like a thorn in the flesh. So he says there in verse uh, 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this famous words, he says, Nevertheless, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't this what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? 
Isn't this the same connection he's making? In verse 3, he says he was with them in weakness. But then he says in verse 4, that his words were a demonstration of a spirit and power. The same power that he says is made perfect in weakness. You see, the point is, Paul doesn't try to hide or even deny his weaknesses, the things that might make him unattractive or, or even repulsive to the people around him. He does the opposite. He embraces it. He exalts in the fact that God would be willing to use someone like Paul, weak as he was, so that people would see that the effect of his ministry, the effect of his preaching, is clearly, it's clearly from God. Okay? Now, here's what I want to really ask you, and this is what we want you to think about. His words were weak. His physical appearance was weak. His health it was, was bad. It was down, physically beaten, physically sick. Um, he was always in danger. He was, he was living a life pretty much of weakness. And here's the question that I, that I want to ask you this, this, this morning. Did Paul deliberately choose this way of life? To live always in fear, to live in danger, to live the possibility of, of being killed, to, to, to live and be you know, physically then unhealthy or beaten or imprisoned or even stoned. Did he deliberately choose to be this way, to live this way, right? to make himself sick, to, to make himself weak? Or did he do everything he could to make himself safe and healthy and effective but things just happened to him unexpectedly, uh, unpredictably, tragically, and that somehow in that suffering, he had to make sense of all this in that weakness. And so that's why he's saying what he's saying. Which is it? And if you know anything about Paul's letter or Paul's life, you know what happens to Paul, right? He gets imprisoned in Rome, and that's the end of his life. And then he gets beheaded. He loses his life for what he did. Did he know that that was going to happen? but still continue to do what he did, right? Or did he just do what he did and just happen to find himself in a tragic situation and then he tried to make sense of it by using his theology and his understanding about God? Which is it? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And I, the reason I say this is because in verse two, here's I think what Paul's whole life and whole ministry was about. In verse 2, Paul says that the reason he came to Corinth in this way was because he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's not just talking about the year and a half that he was in Corinth. He's talking about his whole life. To know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And practically what that means is this. That whatever Paul knew, whatever else he spoke about, whatever else he did, he would know it, he would say it, and he would do it in relationship to this Christ who was crucified. Who's crucified? To the cross of Christ. That's what he would think. In other words, the cross of Christ was at the front of his face every single day of his life. And this is something we need to think about because oftentimes you and I, we don't really think about the cross every day or every moment, do we? You know, if you have a little child and you're out in the park and you're playing and your kid's playing and he's going around, but it's lunchtime, 
oftentimes what happens is the kid will go around and he starts playing, running around, but then he makes a pit stop to you so that you could give him a spoonful of food. And then once he eats it, then he goes off again and runs again and runs again. And then he comes back to you again to eat another bite until you finish that meal. And we're oftentimes like that, right? We come to the cross to get fed what we need, to get what we need, to get forgiveness and whatever it is. But then we go off in our life and we do our thing and we live our life. And then we come back to the cross again when we need it and we receive forgiveness and we receive grace and all that kind of stuff. But then we go back in our life and repeat over and over again. For Paul, that's not how it was. For Paul, the cross of Christ Christ and him crucified was something that he believed and he followed every single day of his life. It wasn't just some idea. For him, the cross was not some historic relic, some event that just kind of happened a long time ago that kind of procured his forgiveness. And then you just move on in life and try to have your best life now. Okay. The cross meant death. The cross was a place of execution. And he puts this cross at the center of his everyday work and his everyday relationships. He remembers what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In other words, there's a denying of yourself daily. There's a cross. There's a kind of cross, a cross of weakness, a cross that symbolizes pain or struggle or suffering, even of inconvenience, even of death, that, that we take up daily if we follow this crucified Christ. I don't know. This is kind of hard to understand, but maybe you thought that once you became a Christian, that everything in your life might be better that anything that went wrong, you would just pray to God and, and God would answer your prayer and he should make your life good. And I don't know why you would think like that because if anyone followed Christ better than anybody else, it was Paul. But you look at his life and it was marked by suffering, pain, and even eventually death. Death, right? And here's a hard lesson that I want us to learn that I think Paul really took to heart. And this is something that we, we don't quite grasp, but I think we need to really understand. Christ died to save us from condemnation, uh, to save us from hell, okay? That, that's absolutely true. But he didn't die to save us from the cross. He did die so that eventually we would be glorified. But he didn't die to keep us, in a sense, from being crucified. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. He died so that we might follow him to glory, but we also follow him in his cross-bearing. For Paul, the cross of Christ wasn't just some past event that, that happened a long time ago. For Paul, it was his present daily reality. It was his way of life. Now, I know that if you watch the news or, you know, read the, read the news, whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of death going on these days. And of course, when you think about the cross as a Christian, as a person of faith, you know that the power of the cross is this, that that physical death really means it's not the end. 
because Jesus was raised on the dead. We learned this on Easter Sunday and physical death isn't the end, but physical death isn't the only kind of dying. If you follow Jesus Christ presently, for those of us who are still alive and physically healthy, I want you to know this. There's a dying that we're called to do every day. There's a cross bearing that we're called to do daily. Whether you actively choose a difficult path in your life or something very hard passively just happens to us, there's no burden that we bear. There's a cross that we're called to carry on this side of heaven daily. The cross was a place of death. The cross was a place of execution. And practically for Paul, it meant every day execution of his pride. It meant every day execution of, of boasting in his abilities. It meant every day the execution of his self-reliance and the execution of love for comfort and love for money and the execution of his status and looking for the approval of people. Every day, do you see this? Every day the cross of Christ met for him. He died every day. He died to intellectual show. He died to impressive eloquence. He died to the secular demands of being suave or self-assured or powerful or attractive and, 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 and able in his performance. He had to die to himself. That's how Paul made the cross of Christ, which happened even way before Paul's time, a present reality now in his life. He didn't just believe that Jesus existed, but he loved and he followed this Jesus. He followed a Jesus who was crucified. He followed a Jesus who carried a cross. He followed a Christ who came in weakness. And this meant Paul had a cross to carry. Paul's life, therefore, what you see when he's expressing who he is and what he's been doing, his life is marked by weakness. His life is marked by hardship, marked by self-denial. As one commentator would put it, his life was cruciform in character. So yes, yes, he chose to live his life like this because he chose to follow this Jesus who was crucified. And yes, he did find himself in hard situations, in hard circumstances that he probably didn't know what that was going to happen, that was out of his control. But what did he do? He chose to see those things that were happening to him through a cross that he has to bear because he followed a crucified Savior who would then later be glorified in the resurrection. So that in his weakness, in his moments of struggle, God would be strong. So that God would be strong. When trouble comes, and for some of you it has, and for many of us, or all of us, it, it will, you can either lean on your own strength, or you can lean on God's strength. But if you want to lean on God's strength, and I'd rather lean on his than mine, what you've got to understand is this, the comfort of God, the presence of God is most felt, not in your moments of your own strength, 
but it's most received in moments of your own weakness and struggle and hardship. Physical weakness, mental, emotional, spiritual, Paul embraced his weaknesses. And if you want to experience the power of God, of his presence, of his comfort in your life, that is done. That has always been done, not when you are strong, but when you are weak. Paul embraced his weaknesses. Paul embraced his struggles. He accepted his situation many times. And I think Paul would probably look back in his life during those difficult and extreme times of struggle or pain or suffering. And he looks back and he probably says, you know, those things, I didn't like it, but it made me rely on God and not on myself. I don't think Paul just sat there, okay? I don't think Paul just let things happen. I think he probably did try to do whatever he could do to kind of remedy his situation. But at the end of the day, Paul is saying this, in his moment of weaknesses, he was brought to a place where all he could do is just trust and rely on God and not on himself. He had to deny himself. He had to die to his self-reliance. He had to endure Many times, his present suffering, trusting in the future glory that his Savior had earned for him. Now, if you want to know why sometimes some of you, or all of us at some point, we're not experiencing God's presence in our life, his strength and his comfort, if you want to know why, it might be because you never really admit you're weak. You never really admit to people important to you, to people around you, to people at work, that you're struggling and that you need help. You never really ask, you never communicate that you just can't do this on your own to the people around you that's most important. You're busy maintaining this illusion that you still got things under control, that you're still strong enough to get over this, that everything is under your control, when in fact, it's just the opposite. And what happens if we're like this is this. You become angry, you become frustrated, and you get rocked in your life. We confess our weakness in order that God's strength may be revealed. Now, this sounds so basic and so simple, but I think it's still, for many of us, if not all of us, one of the most difficult things to do and to learn to do. You know why? It's not so much actually the, the, the pain or the difficulty of a situation that's the hardest. Sometimes it's that feeling of powerlessness to do anything about it. It's that feeling of not knowing what's going to happen. It's that feeling of inability, ineffectiveness. It's that feeling of just being weak. And, and we don't like that. That's the most difficult thing for us because we're so used to doing and getting what we want. We're so used to being self-reliant, self-assured, and, and, and self-confident. And if that's you and I today, if that's part of you today, I'm going to tell you this. That pride, that self-reliance, that needs to die. That needs to be crucified daily. Uh, one commentator says this, quote, he says, At the bottom of every Christian heart, no matter how advanced in faith and godliness, there is the sediment of self-reliance. Then God shakes our lives, sometimes to the foundations, 
to show us our self-reliance and to clean it out with a new, deeper reliance on him. End quote. How do you learn to not trust in yourself and trust in God? Right? How does your relationship with God grow from just believing in things about him uh, to personally and relationally and trusting and relying on this God? And whether we like this or not, it's when we're brought to a point where we just can't do anything else but turn to him and rely on him. This is a hard lesson to learn. Because what that means is this, that sometimes God needs to shake and shatter our confidence, our our own abilities, our own strength and security in order that his strength, that his security and his comfort might be known. And so what Paul is telling us in these moments of his weakness, whether it was physical illness, emotional distress, financial disaster, the fear of of being forsaken or, or left alone, the fear of even death, whatever shatters your confidence in your own abilities, your own strength, can become an opportunity for God, not only to provide his strength and comfort, but to grow us in our relationship with him. And this is a perspective, I think, that we more and more, we really need to take, especially during this time, in this time of uh, this, this virus pandemic, where we are uncertain about what's going to be after, you know, this is done, where our, some of us, maybe financially, we, we might have to deal with issues, where our work might be struggling, or our vocations might be struggling, where, where our life might be completely changed. This is something that we need to understand. This is the irony of, of the gospel that in order to progressively grow in the knowledge and the person of Jesus Christ, to grow in faith, to grow in the experience of God's power and strength and comfort, in order to grow, there at the same time, there needs to be a weakening in your own instinctive self-confidence, a weakening in your own strength and power that leads you to a radical trust in His. And this is where Paul was in his life. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, when he says that famous verse, my grace is sufficient for you, my power made perfect in weakness. What does he say after that? He says this, for the sake of Christ, I am content, I am content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This isn't a proverb that Paul had on his wall, on some plaque, okay? He's speaking from his experience. It's a lesson, a hard lesson that he learned. But he lived a life the way he did, simply because he followed Christ. He followed Jesus who lived his life the way he did on this earth, all the way to a cross. And whether you like that or not, that has always been the case not just in our lives, but in the history of Christianity around the world. The growth of Christianity, the growth of personal faith, has always been greatest in people and in places of suffering and persecution. Okay? And that's probably one of the reasons why the state of Christianity is in decline. It's in decline here in the States. You know why? We, we don't know how to suffer. 
We don't. We avoid suffering. We're we we are creatures of of comfort. I mean, we're complaining many times. We're quarantined right now, and we're complaining about that. It, it feels like prison. You know, it feels like prison, right? Look, you you haven't. Most of you haven't been to prison, right? You're not in prison. You're in the comfort of your own home. Oh, it's so hard, you know, not being able to go out anymore. Look, this is to save your life. This you're not being punished, right? This is going to change the way we might live. You know, for example, if you want to discipline your kids and you, you believe in grounding your kids, grounding is not going to work anymore. They get in trouble next time. You know what they're going to say? You're grounded for a week. A week? I've, I was grounded for two months. This is not a big deal. They're, they're, they've done hard time in your prison. But, we, we, but you know, we, we don't know. We, we don't understand what it means to, to follow Jesus as a crucified Lord, to have the cross in front of us, to really live a life of suffering and maybe that's that's a blessing from god maybe in some ways that's that's grace from god but because of this we struggle in our faith so quickly when the unexpected when the difficult and the hard things happen and i, and I speak from from my own experience but christianity is flourishing it's third world countries in cultures around the world that don't have half the stuff that we do Paul says in Romans chapter 6, our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what he says. This is what we do every day. Some of us, all of us, we've still got some dying to do. Some of us need to die to our anger. Some of us need to die to our fear of men and, and, and looking for people's approvals all the time. Some of us still need to die to our selfish desires. Some of us and all of us, we still need to die to our sins so that we might be, as Paul says, alive to God. There's a cross that you and I still need to bear. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you go out there and you look for suffering, right? Don't do that. I'm not saying look for pain or look for headaches or look to do things in the most difficult and hardest ways. And of course not. But what I will say is this. If you follow Jesus, there will be, regardless of how well you live, unpredictable headaches and heartaches that will follow. And as a person of faith, you can do two things. You could sit there and you could say, woe is me, you know, my life stinks, you know, join my pity party, what am I going to do? Or you could struggle against it. And you could ask yourself this question, what is God trying to teach me right now in this moment? In what way, how can I glorify God in the midst of this difficult and hard predicament? How, God, in my weakness, will your strength show? You can struggle with it, and you do it by prayer. You can do it by prayer. Human impotence throws itself at the feet of divine omnipotence. That's what prayer is. That's what one scholar said. You could preach to yourself in these moments of struggle. Remind yourself what Paul's trying to remind this church, that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. That there's suffering, maybe for a moment, but there's a glory eternal that you're destined for. And so we have hope right here, not just now, but we have hope forever. And as we pray, 
maybe you could pray rather than just praying that you would you would just be better or that the situation would be better or that that your life would be better here and now maybe sometimes we could pray like this lord make us whatever you want us to be whatever degree of hardship inconvenience even suffering for the sake of god for the sake of christ that's required to shape me for his purposes may you bring that Maybe you could also pray, like Paul prays, that you would weaken us, God. You would weaken us in the human realm so we would be strengthened in your realm. And therefore, maybe, Lord, help us, like Paul does, to rejoice in our weakness because there your strength is shown. I pray that God will continue to persevere you. I pray that the Lord will continue to help you endure whatever, not just inconvenience, but even very difficult and hard situations in your life right now that maybe you're worried about, you're fearful about. But as you worry about these things, as you look at these things, and you do everything you can to, to endure these things, I also pray that you remember the cross of Christ, that there's a denying and there's a cross-bearing that all of us still need to do. And that's what Paul understood, and I think that's what he wants us to understand as well. As you follow the risen Lord who was crucified on a cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.